You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Live 24-7 podcast, our final episode of what has been an absolutely action-packed month of June. That is the story across college football right now. Uh, our fine group of reporters at 24-7 Sports have been getting it done all month long. And, of course, helping to lead the way is Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst for a long time here at 24-7 Sports. You've seen it, plenty of his work on Penn State recruiting at 24-7 Sports and lines247.com. You'll hear from him in just a moment because it's time to put a bow on this month. Of course, we're awaiting some key decisions that are going to impact this Penn State recruiting class and the target board moving forward. But uh, some key components added to the class, up to 20 total pledges for Penn State in the 2024 cycle at this point we're coming off of a month that was filled with prospect camps here as we addressed a lot on our last episode of the lions 24 7 podcast that dropped on tuesday but to break down penn state recruiting the latest top 24 7 rankings with just went live today on a thursday and to take a little bit of a closer look at the recent additions to the penn state roster from that 2023 recruiting class we welcome back brian doan as mentioned national recruiting analyst with 24 7 sports Brian, I know you were on commitment alert pretty much every step of the way right now through the end of the month and into early July. So thanks for taking some time with us to talk Penn State. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It's always fun. And there may be a thing or two going on this month that uh, has all of our attentions with recruiting. Yeah, just a bit. And, and you've been all over the place, but I wanted to start here. Uh, top 24-7 updated, refreshed. It's out there uh, as of about noon today on a Thursday and notable risers for Penn State. We got to start at the quarterback position. A couple weeks removed from going out to the Elite 11 finals and ending up inside that Elite 11 group is Ethan Grunkemeyer. He is now the number 200 overall prospect. He was a three-star, so this puts him in four-star territory. Can you talk us through how we got here with Grunkemeyer, who was the latest addition uh, for Mike Yersich and company? Yeah, I think one of the big things, and, and Tyler, we saw him out at State College for the Elite 11, and um, you know, I, I know by his own admission it wasn't his best day in terms of accuracy, but one of the things that really stuck to me or stuck out for me during – that elite 11 was his ability to throw accurately on the move. And I, I almost felt like he was a better thrower moving than just on some of the stationary drills. And then talking to some of our guys who went out to elite 11, they really um, thought he was accurate. They liked the arm strength. They like his mechanics and his release. And it's kind of, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to forget that, you know, these are still kids and, and there's some tinkering that goes on and, 
when we saw him out at State College, it was a very exciting time for him because he had just committed to Penn State. So you have the emotions of that and then wanted to do well when you're in the same town as them. And, and I just think that from what we saw there, I liked. And then in talking to our guys who are out at Elite 11, um, he just built on that and he just was accurate. And the arm strength, it's, it's really interesting with the arm strength for me because there's times where he drops down a little bit and kind of slings it. And I'm not always a huge fan of that. And then I started talking to a lot of people just about mechanics and delivery. And there's a feeling that a lot of these kids are being taught this now because you get more torque. Um, the physics of it makes the, you know, increases your arm strength. And listen, Pat Mahomes is who he is and Aaron Rodgers is who he is. But they both have utilized that part of his game. And, and Aaron Rodgers, especially, you look, he's dropped down a lot more lately and it just creates a different kind of arm strength um, just from the physics of it. And, and of course, Ethan Grunkemeyer spending some time training with Drew Aller, who can do a lot of special things with his arm and, and move in a lot of different ways too. And, and I, those yeah. two have a, a shared training, uh, but you're also looking at uh, in between them, Jackson Smolik, who, you know, much like the three of them, I think at the tail end of their junior years, going into that summer before their senior years, uh, Drew Aller was a three-star elevating towards four-star Jackson Smolik was committed to Tulane, had no power five offers. And of course, now you look at Ethan Grunkemeyer, uh, a guy who's now elevated from three to four star status. What are we making of, of Mike Yurcich's body of work thus far at Penn State and pursuing quarterback prospects? Because those are the three guys that we're working with. Ropa Brula was an inherited commitment. He's, he's a redshirt freshman now, but these are the three guys that Mike has gone out and pursued himself on behalf of Penn State. Yeah, and, and I think it's something that you, you really have to look at. Um, you know, with with Drew, I mean, shoot, man, I, I probably could have sent out my goldfish to check that one out and figure out that he was good. <laughs> um, but, you know, for, for Penn State to land him, it, it was huge because this is a quarterback game and you have to have a stud there in order to win at the level Penn State wants to win at. Um, the other guys, you know, whether it's Smolik or, or even Grunkemeyer, um, Listen, it was always going to be hard to recruit a quarterback behind Drew because everybody's sitting there telling, you know, telling all the other quarterbacks, well, what do you want to go there for? You're not going to play for three years while the other kid plays. Makes it difficult. And with Grunkmeyer, you know, they had their list of guys. And, and I happened to be up in New England when he was watching Ryan Puglisi throw, who's committed to Georgia. Don't think Penn State ever offered him. Dante Reno, who's committed to South Carolina. And I know there were some discussions about would either of them look at Penn State. They did offer Miles O'Neill, um, Massachusetts kid who's going to play at the Hunt School in New Jersey this fall. And O'Neill wound up committing to Texas A&M. But as you look back on it, I think that O'Neill offer was kind of to speed up Grunkmeyer a little bit um, because that offer came and the quarterback commitment came a couple days later, if not a day later. Um, so, but but I think he, he's thorough. Yersik is, is thorough in who he wants. He goes out. He does a good job evaluating. He, he doesn't rush into any of this stuff. And it's got to be guys that fit his offense. And, and I think in this day and age, you have to be able to throw on the move to really be able to be successful in college. And, and I think when you look at these quarterbacks, I think all of them can do it. 
quarterbacks like Grunkemeyer were front and center out in Southern California, Brian, but there's some pass catchers out there. They, they've done a, a better job, it seems, of late of, of making sure there's some, some top-tier talent out there catching passes, running some routes. And look, Luke Reynolds went out there, and he was one of the talks of that camp. I mean, I'm not sure I've heard a non-quarterback get that much buzz on, on 24-7 sports recap of, of an Elite 11 final. And lo and behold, he goes from number 80, which was a huge jump. He was outside of the top 24-7 before he got inside in the top 80 uh, there in back in may here we are end of june brian he's number 49 in the country and this is a guy gearing up for his first full-time season at the tight end position walk us through the ascent in 24 7 sports rankings here um eyeballs seeing them i mean I, I think i think it just starts there now it's funny as you go through the process you know i went through it with luke and figuring out who he was and what kind of prospect he was and it turns out he was Ryan Puglisi's competitor at quarterback at Lawrence Academy when they were sophomores, which I did not know until pretty far along in the process because you just lose track of some of these guys. But I think, you know, first first place I saw him, UC report in North Jersey, it was raining sideways and windy, yet he was able to catch the ball. He ran well. Uh, his, his times were good. And the frame checked out. So you had all that stuff. The weather was horrific. Fast forward, I saw him at the New England Showcase when I went to watch him work out at Cheshire Academy with his teammates there. And again, he looked great. I was able to get a little bit of film from that and just see how he, he worked and talk to the folks on the rankings committee again about what my thoughts were and why he should be somewhere. And then a couple of days later, we see him out at State College catching balls and he's working with Adam Brenneman a little bit on the side. And Brenneman is raving about him. And so the tape of that starts getting out a little bit more. And so there's this buildup and there's a buildup. And then he goes out to Elite 11 as a pass catcher. And yeah, he did a good job with it. And, you know, and it's, it's a chance for people to see him live and more people to see him live other than just me. And they understood what I was talking about. And, you know, and they, and they did. I mean, we, we had him in the top 100 even before they saw him. So it's not like they needed to see him like, oh, my goodness, this is a revelation. We always had him, you know, we had him high. Um, you know, the question I keep hearing is, can he block, can he block? Well, you can teach him how to block. But to me, it is, it's not just can you block, it is, you know, do you need to block? I mean, Mike Gusecki is a pretty good player in the NFL, and I, I don't I don't know if he's, you know, putting his hand on the dirt and going up into a defender very often. Um, but Luke Reynolds just has – he creates mismatches for you, and I think that's important as a pass catcher with his body control and his size. I mean, his size is legit. So all that other stuff, that's what matters in it, and and he excelled in it. This puts him as the number three tight end in the country, and I just want to reinforce, he, he's been a quarterback. He made that transition during the year last year, bought into it, and he's certainly reaping the benefits now. But, Brian, there are very few five-star statuses applied to tight ends across cycles, uh, right. as far as I can tell. Um, we're talking about a guy who's suddenly seemingly within striking distance ahead of this senior season. Do you think that that's a conversation that, with a dominant kind of campaign. I know you could probably hate to have these kind of discussions, but hate him. I cannot me, stand him. But to yes. me, he's got to be at least knocking on the door right now, considering how much of verifiable evidence has been gathered without him actually putting on pads and going up against 11 man defenses. 
So here's what it comes down to. Is he a first-round draft pick? So if you're a five-star, we have 32 of them. That means you're a first-round draft pick. So then you and, – and, and it's the running back argument too. Okay, so how many tight ends go in the first round mm-hmm. year over year? So your maybe window – Maybe one really, or two, yeah. So your window is really small. So if you are the top tight end in the class, then, yes, you're in a discussion to be a five-star. If you're the number two tight end – yeah, you, you could be, but it's probably on the backside and it's going to be a big debate. Um, so, you know, and, and I think a lot of people confuse this with rankings. I get there's a ton of good players out there that, you know, I, I guarantee you somebody will come up and say, well, this kid's better. This kid's better. This kid's better than him. I'm not here to argue that. What we're saying is where is somebody when they're done with college or in their third or fourth year of college? That's what we're ranking them on. And so for him, yeah, we, we have a bunch of the measurables now, and now we get a chance to go out and see him play. And so, and, and I'll be able to see him live and, and he'll get that chance. But um, you got to, you have to remember how few tight ends go in the first round. This is not quarterbacks where you can have three or four or offensive tackles or corners or game changing receivers. There's not a ton of tight ends that go in the first round. And so that's something that ha- that's the first thing to think about when you're thinking, can this kid be a five-star? So Reynolds at 49 and he trails only one guy in terms of this entire 20 man Penn state class at this point in rankings. And that's Quentin Martin, who's held the lead role for a long time. Uh, one of the first guys to be ranked in the state of Pennsylvania for the 2024 class. And here he is at number 47, Brian, I got a chance to see him in extended action for the first time, really close last Wednesday working with Jaywan Sider. We also saw Corey Smith, the commit out of Wisconsin, working with him as well. I mean, he, he flashed it. He played receiver. You certainly saw it. I can understand why Penn State's defensive backs coach may want a closer look long-term. But working with Sider, uh, man, I, you saw a lot of components. What do you see from Quentin Martin? Because you've, tra- you've been following his progression a lot longer than I have. And, again, it was right in our faces. It was here at Penn State facilities. And it fit the bill of, of why he's been discussed so long and why he was so coveted by the staff. Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting with Quentin is, and I've known him, I think, since his freshman year, is to watch kind of like the the cycle that his recruitment and his projection went through. He came onto the scene, he was pretty much going to be a running back, and then, well, wait a minute, can he play DB? And then I, I was able to see him a few times, and I was like, okay, yeah, he can probably play safety. What about as a pass catcher? Can he play receiver? Yeah, I could see him lining up in the slot, maybe wide, and he can do that. And then you get back and you're like, well, wait a minute now. Look what he can do as a running back. Right. And in this day and age where you can move a kid around and, and maybe create some matchups on an offense where you get him involved in the passing game and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's what, that's what he is. And, and I think um, I, I always find it interesting to see how these things go about. And, and it's not just the schools, it's the player. The player's like, okay, maybe. I remember watching Quentin work out last summer out in Pittsburgh and he was going through like some defensive back drills and – he was good at it. And I kept thinking to myself, what are we doing? <laughs> and so, you know, play running back, be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think it's perfect for him. I think he's big, he's physical, he's fast. He's a very smart kid. Uh, he'll watch the tape and get better that way. Going to Penn State, he'll he'll learn from some really good running backs there as he sits and waits his turn. I mean, maybe he plays next season, but if I'm a running back, save some wear and tear on your body for a year. There's nothing wrong with that um, for the back end of your career. But, yeah, I I think he does so many things well. It's just you can't forget how good he is as a running back. Yeah, 
and and, and Jaywan Sutter, I know, love getting that close time with him. Uh, the other running back I wanted to mention here before we get to some new additions to the 2024 class, because while we're on the subject of camps and running backs, Messiah Mickens, this was, again, my first chance to just kind of like sit there, watch him go through extended drill work. He was leading the drills for much of the time with Jaywan Sutter with little hesitation too. Um, I mean, this guy has a lot of the offers that running backs covet all through high school, and he's got them already before his sophomore season. Alabama, Penn State, Michigan. Where is Mickens' ceiling in terms of, of where he can go from here as a big-time prospect in the state of Pennsylvania? Because I was pretty blown away by what he was able to show us for an hour or two out there in Penn State's practice facility. Yeah, I, I think with him and, and a lot of the young kids, it's I'm always reserved with this stuff because mm-hmm. – you know, especially when you're younger and, and having a lot of success in high school, and, and you would expect him to continue to have that success. That's that's not what I mean, but okay, how much more does he grow? I mean, I, I remember watching Anthony Barr as a freshman out in Los Angeles when he played. He was at LA Cathedral, if I remember right. And as a freshman, he was killing it as a running back. And then as a junior, he was like six three or whatever he was. And it's like, well, running back's not the future anymore. Um, it, it's where we are in recruiting where Kids have to get offers as freshmen because if not, their families and some of the people close to them feel slighted and they project that onto a kid. But for me, you know, let's see how he grows. Let's see how he develops as he continue to get better. We, we see, you know, our database is littered. And I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just explaining why I'm, I'm a little hesitant on stuff like this. Our database is littered with kids who have 20 offers by the time they're junior season starts and then when it comes time to make a decision there's two schools that want them right and so listen mickens is a sensational talent i I, i've watched his film done the research on him but i'm always hesitant like for every john reed who you know i know got his first offer after his eighth grade year and turned out to be a really good player um there's five or six that go the other way and Mickens, a guy we'll be monitoring over at Trinity, Camp Hill, uh, Jordan Hill, former Penn State defensive lineman, the head coach over there, Michael Mowdy's on that staff as well. Um, Brian, looking at the, the the June additions to this Penn State recruiting class, I think we've got to start at wide receiver because there were no commitments uh, going into last Wednesday. And now as we discuss it a week later, there are three commitments. Uh, let's start with the guy who kicked that off, Tysier Denmark. Uh, it wasn't exactly the, you know, bang, bang, boom, flip from Oregon to Penn State, but we got there. It took a, it took a few days. It does happen. He completes the flip from the Oregon Ducks to the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, I know he's a three-star right now in 24-7 sports, but I thought he was one of the most impressive guys we saw last summer here at Penn State on the camp scene. I think he's a blue-chip talent. I know there's discussion to be had there. What do you make of this pickup and, and Tysier Denmark's prospect profile? Because he's a guy who slipped a little bit in that, in that last 24-7 update. Yeah, so so I'll address the ranking first of all. And again, it's done as a committee, and I, I've seen him live numerous times. I'm a big fan of his. But when we got together and, and spoke about things, you know, there were we don't really have any time markers on him, um, and the explosive plays that sometimes you want to see. And I don't mean getting it and and kind of piercing a defense, which is you would expect a kid going to Penn state to have that ability. Um, you know, it's different going to college, you know, it's different piercing the Ohio state secondary than maybe some public school in Philly kind of deal. Right. Um, and so, but, you know, so some of the explosive plays 
Now, I, I like him as a route runner. I think he's reliable with his hands. I think once he gets it, he gets up the field quickly. Um, again, he, he probably doesn't have the same type of speed that Jahan Dotson had, but I think Denmark's a kid that you can line up in the slot and really use him in some one-on-one stuff where he'll gain some separation. Again, he's reliable. As far as the flip from Oregon, I, I always thought he should have been at Penn State from the get-go. I mean, I think I, I, think I first started dealing with him as a freshman. And it just felt right, and, and I understand why he originally committed to Oregon. But for me, um, Penn State continued to work them hard. Uh, they did a good job of not being overbearing, but also, hey, we want you. When, when you look at what they've done a little bit with the receivers class, maybe now you understand why Marcus Hagens was brought in to be the receivers coach. Marcus has always had a really good reputation as a recruiter who's worked hard and identified talent and been able to – build relationships with players. Um, and, you, you know, you hit it. We, we got there, right? I mean, it, it was a flip. I mean, let's be honest. He, he yeah. flipped during his visit, but then we're in the graphics world. Sometimes it takes time to get edits. And so we needed to wait. I remember he, he I think he called me Sunday right after he got home from his visit. And he's like, yeah, I'm excited to you know, be a Nittany Lion. I'm like, okay, when when's the rest of the world going to know this? And he's like, ah, Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm like, okay, good deal. Um, so it, it just takes some time to get there, but he got there. And, you know, I, I thought when he was with Oregon, it was going to be a recruitment that still came down to the wire. Now that he's with Penn State, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that's where he's going to land and stay with them. About 50 hours after that announcement, we got a couple at wide receiver. And I want to go from one end of the state of Philadelphia standout to, to the other end with uh, Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. Peter Gonzalez joins his teammate, Anthony Specka, in the 2024 class. And Gonzalez is a guy, again, got a chance to see him very recently here in June camp. And I'm really compelled. I, I'm very intrigued, I should say, about what is he going to look like his senior season versus his junior campaign when he was seven months, months removed from a serious knee injury. I mean, he looked pretty springy out there. He looked like he was fast. He looked like he was strong. And and you can see that length. And, and Marcus Hagan's got like a 25-minute one-on-one workout with him that day. Came out of that thinking, one, this kid's going to be a Penn State commit. I know, he's got, I know he's got to check out the Hokies a little bit more in an official visit. But two – Let's reevaluate him come October and see what kind of body of work he's putting together for Central Catholic. Yeah, and that's the discussion I had with um, with Peter when he committed was, you know, I said, hey, listen, we like everything you've done. you got some good track times now. Your size is good. I mean, he's legit. Um, easily could add 15 pounds without losing any speed. And let's just see where you are healthy now. Um he missed the first couple of games of his junior year as he came back from that knee injury, and and he was good, and I expect him to be even better. So so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about the important. You know, camps have lost a lot of their luster for twenty. You know, for the current cycle. So in this case, the twenty fours, most of them aren't going to camp anymore to get offers and all that stuff. If you have a bunch of offers like Peter did, I don't think Penn State takes him unless he camps and has the performance he had. Um, I, I think there was some talk of, yeah, we, we, we like where this is trending, but coming out of that, everybody I spoke with said he was really good. Just like you said, he was quick out of his breaks, um, reliable hands, coachable, uh, pretty far along in a development standpoint, which makes sense given his dad played quarterback and knows a thing or two about football. But the other part of it was 
there's also a lot of room for growth and, and especially with some strength throughout his frame that can maybe make him even more explosive coming out of breaks. And, and on top of that, he's just a great kid. Like yeah. it's just a tremendous, polite, grounded, hardworking individual. And, and it, he's the kind of kid that it doesn't matter where he goes. You, you just want him to have success. And, and I, I was really impressed with him. And, and like I said, he, he's a kid again that I've known for a long time. And I, I'm always impressed in speaking with him. And you know that when football's over, it doesn't matter what he does, there will be a lot of success coming his way. And I can tell our listeners, uh, stay tuned, future episode of the podcast here. You will get a, a very much better impression of, of Peter Gonzalez yourself firsthand uh, really soon here. He's a really impressive young man. Um, Brian, the last uh, of those trio of wide receivers to get to, and then the top-ranked player in New York uh, is Josiah Brown. And he commits within a minute or 30 seconds or whatever it was of Peter Gonzalez there on Friday night and completes that group. For now, we got work to do with Marcus Higgins. But what do you make of Josiah Brown? I think he carries that athlete label. Um, but, but, man, out of Long Island, there's a lot to like about what he can do with the football in his hands. Yeah, I, I, first of all, he's about speed, right? He, he's mm-hmm. he's about speed, and and that's what the draw for Josiah Brown is. I've I've seen him play. Um, he was more impressive to me as a safety, which is why you have the athlete tag on. Some schools thought about safety when it came down to it. It became a Rutgers versus Penn State decision, and they both wanted him on the offensive side of the ball. I think there's a lot to work with. I think, you know, we, we talk about Tasir Denmark, who is a natural pass catcher. I think Josiah has some work to do in that realm. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying he's not as far along as Tasir is when it comes to being a pass catcher. Um, he, you know, he, he stands out so much playing out on Long Island as well he should, because he's the best player out there. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I spoke about Gonzalez, and there's still some room for growth, which we like. With Josiah, there is room for growth. I mean, it is <laughs> it is a very high ceiling and a lot for um, Marcus Higgins, the receivers coach, to work with when it comes to route running, tracking the ball, um, securing the ball after the catch. There's, Josiah can run, and we know that. And we know in the open field, he's going to outrun a lot of people. And in one-on-one situations, he has some ability to 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 juke and and, and go, um, and I, I think that's a lot of stuff that you bring. But I think when we talk about those three receivers, he is the most raw. I think he's got the highest ceiling, which shows in where his ranking is. But I do think he's the most raw, and it'll probably take a, a bit longer for him. Let's stay in your neck of the woods, Brian, because eight days before Gonzalez and Brown jumped on board, Vabu Torre out of Irvington, mm. New Jersey, joined the class at the safety position. Um, and I'm, o- I'm always curious to hear what you're going to give us on a Garden State prospect because you've got, uh, you know, you're being told about these guys when they're in fifth grade, I think. So, Torre, I- I'm not sure how far it goes back with him, but how have you seen him progress and where do you think the fit is with Penn State? It goes back far, considering he has two brothers that play at Rutgers right. and a cousin, <laughs> and a cousin who played there who was in the NFL for a bit. Um, it, it, he's a safety to me, flat out safety. Uh, I wish we had some more speed markers on him. We don't. Um, he, he was dealing with some injury stuff throughout the spring, but you know, I, I went and watched Irvington play. I've seen him play each year, but I, I watched him play last year again, and he reads the play well. He is 
not afraid to play downhill. He has the speed to get to the sidelines. Does not face a ton of passing attacks, but you do see the ability to kind of turn and run. I think you can cover outside of the numbers as a safety when you're giving help over the top. There's a lot to like there. I still think from uh, a strength standpoint, there's plenty of room for growth there. I, I think he's got a huge upside, and he wanted to be away from home, but not really, really far away from home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, the biggest competition was Oklahoma on this one. Um, at, at one point, Ohio State was pretty heavily involved, but I think Ohio State wound up going in a different direction about the same time Vabu went in a, another direction. But, I mean, and it's crazy because I, I was talking about this with uh, a friend of mine in the days leading up to Vabu finally announcing. And, again, you mentioned eight days, whatever it was. I mean, take some time sometimes for these kids to commit um, or announce their commitment. But it's been a while since Penn State's landed a New Jersey kid. Yeah. And that's not a that's, – but that's not a slight on Penn State. I mean, I've been saying, you know, in, in talking to – especially doing some podcasts on our on our Rutgers site, New Jersey's been down. Tell you know New Jersey well, right? I mean, New Jersey's yeah. down for the elite talent. And so Penn State is, is being a little more – choosy and who they come into the state to get and you know Vabu's a, a great fit he, he comes from a really good family academics are going to be important he wants to develop Penn State will develop you in the secondary we all know that um, it, it just makes sense in a lot of ways and this will allow his family to get to some games that maybe if he was at Oklahoma wasn't going to happen Let's finish with a couple defensive commitments from Maryland that, that happened earlier in the month. And the other is uh, one of the more top-ranked safeties uh, on our rankings at 24-7 Sports, number 21 overall. Uh, before this last ranking, I don't know if that impacted things, but he's a four-star 24-7 Sports, Dewan Lane uh, out of Gilman. A lot of length here. I mean, we know Anthony Poindexter was a long safety himself, and it worked out very well for him at Virginia. But he seems to be stockpiling these kind of components and chess pieces in his safety room now. Yeah, Dewan Lane, I, I don't know if people understand just how good this kid can be. He, like you said, he's got length. He runs well. He can open his hips. He's not afraid to come down and hit. Now, he was not very he, – he did not enjoy the recruiting process. It, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't – I mean, I'm not going to say he hated it because I never had that discussion with him. But there's some kids that really enjoy it that don't mind being front and center and talk to all the time. Dewan, we would text back and forth, but – he was never interested in doing these big stories after going to places. So I feel like, you know, maybe some people don't know him as well, but he's a smart kid. He's uber athletic. He'll hit you. And he will have a chance to play very early in his career at Penn state. And I just go back and I I remember watching his tape for the first time and start, you start hearing about these kids and, you know, yeah, I hear a lot more, you know, I'm based in Jersey, so I hear some stuff there. But it, I've been doing this now long enough to use everybody from a state or from that area hit you up. Hey, check out this kid. Check out this kid. And I remember two people hit me up after Duan got his first offer. And they're like, yo, you, you need to check this kid out. And I said, oh, let me see. I remember watching his tape. And the first thing I did was forward it to a couple of other people on the rankings committee with me. And I was like, yo, we we need to get this kid ranked quickly (laughs) and it's just the athleticism and the speed at which he plays just pops and the other one i want to get to uh down at wild lake in maryland columbia maryland xavier gilliam uh listed as an edge rusher we've got a list that's 260 pounds as well so 
where do we see his kind of profile trending in the defensive trenches? And 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 what's your take on on this? Is the first pickup for Deion Barnes? We're we're waiting for more. It looks like a bit of a foggy forecast right now for them on the defensive line coming out of June. But they got it started in May or at the beginning of the month, I should say, with Gilliam. Yeah, I, I think Gilliam's interesting because in my mind, I always think of all right. If you're going to be an edge, you're probably at about two thirty right now in in college, or you're or you're like uh, you know a six, four, 205 pounder, but, but right. you watching Gilliam, he's pretty far along in his, in his development from a physical standpoint. I think you can keep him there at 260, 265 and play him on the outside and, and send him up to field. He is athletic. I've, I've seen him live. He can drop into coverage. He can do that stuff. Or if after a year at Penn state or however long he really starts putting on the weight and in a good way, I mean, we put on, I put on weight, but in a bad way. So we don't want that. But, um, you know, if he, if he gets stronger and they decide, you know what, we, we could probably move him over into a three technique and have him get up the field there. I think that's possible. But for now, you're looking at edge. And I, I think he's got a lot of natural ability. He's got to develop his hands. Um, technique is big for him, making sure he's staying low. Sometimes he pops up quick. But, yeah, I, I think he's a he's a really good player and, you know, it's it's been a strange month with Penn State recruiting on the defensive line with I thought some kids who were pretty much locked in maybe aren't locked in anymore. Um, but I, I still expect them to get some kind of good news in the next few days. Well, let's get into that. And because and, we've got I know you said you've got like more than a dozen commitments in like the next 48 hours. So, again, thank you for <laughs> stepping aside for us. But the Andre Cook is among those that we're waiting on from Friendship Collegiate Academy in Washington, D.C. Uh, defensive lineman got a chance to, to spend some time up here at Penn State not too long ago among those junior visitors. Where is he as his decision comes down to the wire? Yeah, I mean, he, he's made his visits. You know, he, he went to Boston College, Rutgers, North Carolina. He told me Oklahoma is also on his list and Penn State. Um, Penn State really pushed hard when he was on campus. He likes Deion Barnes a lot. He, he likes um, that Deion Barnes is on the younger side and he can relate well with him. And he likes the same thing with Marquise Watson at Rutgers, who's a defensive line coach there. And you're talking about two kids that, I mean, if you want me to be really old, I mean, I remember the recruitments. And so, but, you know, I, I think DeAndre, he, he's a smart kid who has long-term goals of being in the NFL and has put in a lot of hard work. And I think it's really easy for him to get overlooked because he's on the same team as Dylan Stort, who's, you know, the five-star edge rusher who, you know, it looks like maybe Ohio State or South Carolina for him. I know Penn State fans will be a little interested in that. But for me, like DeAndre Cook has a lot of room to develop. He, he's good now. So it's not like he's not good. I mean, I think he's a kid that can play redshirt freshman. He's got good size. He's got length. He's agile. He's athletic. He's willing to learn. He'll put in the hard work. He'll, he'll do the film study. He'll get along well with teammates. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think he told me he's doing a barbecue. I, he originally was going to do the barbecue on like July 2nd, and I talked about him coming down because he's in D.C., and then he told me, hey, we're going to do it on, you know, Friday at 5.45 to 6 p.m., and all I could think about is what that 95 corridor would look like, and I would have to <laughs> leave like three days ago just to get there and take another 14 days to get home given the holiday weekend. So 
But, uh, you know, I think you told me he'll probably stream it on Instagram. So I'm sure the guys at Lines 247 as well as, you know, our other sites will will provide that link so you can all watch it and either be overjoyed to start your weekend or bummed to start your weekend. But uh, I, I think I think he's a prospect that's really – he he may not have the the accolades of some of the others in the class, but man, I think he could be really good. We'll be right back on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. Introducing the two way V four, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V four gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We'll see if if Deion Barnes can bag another defensive line commitment before June comes to a close. A a couple more will be announcing their decisions as July opens. Uh, David Pale Pale has been a a focal point for us here on the podcast of late. Been a bit of a roller coaster ride coast to coast with his recruitment. And then Benedict Ume, and we've been talking for a long time. Wait for that Stanford visit. Let's get through the Stanford visit. He's gone through the Stanford visit, and your crystal ball has changed. Brian, can you talk us through the outlook for both Ume and Pale Pale, who you may have noticed uh, our message board uh, picked up on your crystal ball shift? <laughs> Did they now? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's tough uh, sometimes with this stuff, and, and I don't – I rarely change them, so it takes something extraordinary first for me to put in a pick and then for me to change it. Um, for me to put in a pick, I have to feel really comfortable that – that's what's going to happen, understanding all the twists and turns. Um, listen, we'll start with Ume, okay? So he goes to Avon Old Farms, which is, just think of Hogwarts. The closest thing you get to Hogwarts without the magic. Um, and he's from Toronto, and he had told me that dad will be heavily influencing the decision. And he went out to Stanford. Listen, Everybody loves the school they went to, right? They, they love the school they went to. Stanford's different for kids when they go out there. And I don't know anybody that could ever fault the kid for saying, I think I'm going to go to Stanford. And so the dad loved it. Benedict loved it. Right now it's trending there. He's not announcing until the 8th. I think it's the 8th. I think that's what Steve wrote, 7th or 8th. Um, right now I like where Stanford sits. Um, I'm very comfortable with where Stanford sits with the knowledge that I don't think Penn State will give up on it. As for David Polypale, for those that don't know, they'll look at and say, well, he's a PA kid. It's natural for him to go to Penn State. And and he was very – when he made official visits, he really felt the emotion of those official visits. Mm. Keep in mind, he's from Anchorage, Alaska, and he grew up a USC fan. And so – he visited Penn State. You know, Michigan looked to be the leader for a while. He visited Penn State. 
really thought about, hey, it's close to home, the degree, all that stuff, and really liked Penn State a lot. And I, I thought that they were pretty much going to get it locked in. I, I didn't – I thought maybe USC would be too far. Um, he goes out to USC. He loves it, obviously. Feels like he fits in really well. Likes um, the direction of the program. You know, USC is hard to beat for some kids that are willing to go other places because of NIL these days and the business opportunities in Los Angeles. I lived out there for a long time. Three things matter in the L.A. sports scene, the Lakers, the Dodgers, and USC football. After that, I'll go UCLA basketball, but there's a distinct separation between three and four. Now, I like where USC is trending right now. But I also know that Penn State continues to work him hard, and I could see them continue to work him hard up until his decision. And whatever way it goes, I can see Michigan, Penn State, and USC continuing to work him hard in the fall if he's willing to listen. And I, and I always, you know, recruits are always happy to shut things down, do whatever. And and my thing is always. Listen, your recruitment's closed when you say it. When when the coach, because the coaches are going to continue to hit you up, and if you even answer them and say, "Hey, I'm good with this," but thanks for reaching out, they're going to go back to their head coach and be like, "Here's what he said," and then the head coach is going to say, "Well, he's not ignoring you, so keep on him." And so, you know, and and that's how this stuff happens. These kids are they're nice, they're polite, they're young, they're they're not mean like me. Who, if I'm done with you, I just say I'm done with you, um, but. You know, so so they try to be nice. And so I, I think schools will continue to try to recruit him, to be honest. Um, I wanted to, to get to one more name on the defensive line. And yeah. he's a guy that, that has some mystery around him in his recruitment. But he is, certainly has a lot of, of suitors, a top 100 guy uh, right there on the fringe of it, I think. Liam Andrews out of the Dexter School in Massachusetts. And we've gone from talking about him yeah. and seeing him in camp as an offensive lineman. You and I were shoulder to shoulder watching him here last summer to now – being a fixture on that defensive line board for Dion Barnes and Manny Diaz and company. Uh, not a lot of noise uh, out of, out of Andrews himself. So we're, we're going to you. We're trying to tap into the expert here. Where is he exiting June versus maybe how he came into the month and from what you have gathered? Close to a decision and wanting to play defensive line. I think those are the two biggest things. Um, you know, Liam's calculated with how he does things. He, you know, I've been up to his school a few times and, and met with him there and he's, Great kid, outstanding kid, fun to talk to, very thorough with everything he does. He wanted to get through his visits, and he made them. He, he went, you know, it's Penn State, South Carolina, Wisconsin. Um, he was going to visit Florida, and Florida's like, well, we like you on the offensive line. So he said, okay, I'm going to visit South Carolina. And the South Carolina visit, now he had been there before, but if, I, I always tell kids, man, if, you're, if you think you have a chance to go to a place – Go official there, even if you've been there 10 times, because officials are just different. Gives you a different window into things. And he went down there, um, and Penn State fans, don't get mad. I didn't tell him to go on the visit. He had only been there once. Um, but he went down there, and he was really excited. And to understand the depth of what the program is about was really blew him away. And I think he went into the visit being like, okay, I'll give South Carolina a look. And I think he came out of the visit. Well, I know he came out of the visit saying South Carolina is a viable option for me. I, I think it's a Penn state, South Carolina battle. I, I think Wisconsin's still there, but um, I, I think he's more intrigued by Penn state and South Carolina. I think going into June, 
in my mind, Penn State was the leader. Coming out of June, I think Penn State's the leader, but is right there with South Carolina. Um, it's close enough to home to where his family can come see him play when they need to, you know, on a regular basis, a little bit easier than with South Carolina. I know he had told me he may not make a visit um, in June to a school because it was hard for uh, family to get off from work. So I think that's something that's considered. And I think he's just sitting there going through his list. He'll probably get through the holidays and make a decision. I, I would think um, within the first two weeks of July, um, again, I think the key is Penn State has relationships on a number of different levels with him. The commits have known him since you and I saw him work out last summer and he was an offensive lineman, so he knows the Cooper Cousins and all those guys. Um, he knows Phil Troutwine really well because Phil recruited him at first, and Phil was known up in the Massachusetts area from his time at BC. And then it has switched to now he's getting to really know Dion Barnes. And I don't think other schools have that kind of depth with him when it comes to recruitment. I still like where Penn State stands, but I'm not ready to put in that crystal ball pick yet. Um, shoot, by the time this drops, maybe I will, but I, I don't think that's going to happen for a few days, at least when, when I kind of get a better handle on where things are with him. I think there may have been some general surprise at lines 24 seven from our readers that Malachi Williams isn't already a Penn state commit by the time <laughs> June finishes. Uh, when they see, when they see you, Steve Wiltfong and our very own Tyler Calvaruso in short order, putting crystal balls ahead of an official visit, they start licking their chops and saying, here comes the commitment. Didn't happen in June, but we do have a commitment date. It's July 8th, according to what Tyler Calvaruzzo just sent my way a few minutes ago as I was right. double-checking on that. What are you hearing about Malachi Williams? And, and he's a guy who's an in-state player at a Monsignor Bonner, and I don't think a lot of people have him quite figured out about what he is as a prospect and what he might bring to this class. How does he fit if he is a Nittany line at the end of the day? Long, athletic, can drop into coverage, has burst, is raw. Um really good player with a ton of potential. Listen, man, he hasn't announced yet. He hasn't committed yet that we know. Um, I can't imagine in any world where Penn state, if they want him given his proximity to Penn state, given Dion Barnes being a Philly guy, cannot imagine any scenario where he doesn't land at Penn State. And that's why there's a that that was the impetus with the crystal ball picks. It, now he wanted to go out, make some other visits, get some experiences, which is totally within his right. And you want him to do it, right? I mean, you make one visit, you don't maybe you have the what ifs I visited other places. How do you compare it? Well now he's got some comparisons that he can get through. Um, when I spoke with him I never got the sense he was going anywhere but Penn State, and that goes back to the early spring. So, mm -hmm. listen, man, kids have to do things on their timetable. This isn't this isn't like get it done, get it done. Some kids you can squeeze, and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come here. But Malachi is not one of them. He wanted to get things done, and I understand his his you know the way he looks at it. It's look if they want me that bad, they'll wait, which is a great way to look at it. I mean, it's true, right? I mean. So, but I do think, I think he's got a ton of talent. He's got a lot of upside, uh, raw, but that's a, that's a really good piece of clay to mold for, for Deion Barnes or wherever he winds up going. 
for Penn State, the recruitment process is totally over, and and, and all the all the uh, you know the chicks are in the nest now for this 2023 class. Brian, they got their final guy on board. No drama for this freshman group getting to campus, as far as we understand, at least not with the timing of everything. Uh, five or six weeks ahead of preseason camp, Chimdi Ono punctuates this class. 275 pounds is where he's listed. Uh, first checking in on the roster, we got some eyeballs on him on Thursday at, at an on-campus event. I'll say he's a little more filled out, certainly than where he was last time we saw him. Uh, posting pictures from Penn State's facility. He's a long-term guy. We certainly can we discuss that at tackle. They don't need him to play right now at all. Uh, but when we look about forecasting him into 2024, 2025, what did they add late in the former Old Dominion commitment who ended up soar, uh, soaring all the way into top 24-7 status by signing day? Um, you know, I, I think you hit it perfect. He's, do we expect him to play early? No. I mean, I think 2024 would be ambitious. I'm looking at 2025, which is fine. Look, if you're a healthy program, you know, there's not a lot of freshmen coming and playing on the offensive line. There's, there's a couple across the country and maybe at some of the elites of the elite. But this is the natural progression of what it should take. You, you don't have to trim down a bunch of bad weight, which is a, a – listen, that's who Phil Troutwine wants, right? He wants guys who you can just continue to build up instead of dropping them off and then building them up again. Uh, he's really athletic. He shows really good explosion. He's got some track numbers, you know, and throwing numbers that suggest not only the footwork, but also the explosion that he has in his lower body. And now it's just a matter of teaching him technique and, and you hope he doesn't have a ton of bad habits cause he's raw. But I mean, to me, if you're going to miss, miss on six, five, two seventy five with an incredible wingspan, that's what you miss on. And so it, it was a no-brainer take for me, I think, as they really did their research, um, you know, as November turned into December, it just made sense for them to move on him. It's, it's close. His, his family can come see him play there. And I just think he's a, he's a developmental kid, and that's not a bad thing. And there's just a couple other guys who also got to campus here in yeah. June. I wanted to pick your brain on uh, Carmelo uh, Taylor makes the move. He's the only freshman receiver okay. on this roster with a scholarship. Yeah. I mean, big personality we, we, and, and a big time track history. And, and he was burst onto the scene last year. Now he's in the Penn state, uh, into the Penn state roster. And then we got Jamil Lyons, a uh, defensive lineman from Roman Catholic in Philadelphia. Who, you know, Again, we saw, we saw both these guys in person. Uh, Taylor certainly reminds me a little KJ Handler when he first got here, you know, you, you got a lot to, work with uh, speed wise but you got a lot of building to do physically and then lines is an interesting one brian because you know we thought we might have him pegged from a from a physical growth thing but he looked a lot leaner when i just saw him a few days ago so it seems like he could have some versatility up front yeah so we'll start with with carmelo taylor who um out of roanoke virginia i went down and watched him practice last year and the speed you know you want to make sure it translates onto the field Oh, it translates. Um, watching him get behind DBs in practice who knew he was trying to get behind them, who go against him every day, and he was able to do it with ease. He caught the ball comfortably. It was natural. Now, he's going to have to get bigger and stronger, but he is a kid that as, his, as long as he understands the playbook, assimilates well to college, does everything he's supposed to, He's definitely a kid who can get on the field and make some big catches 
as the season progresses as a freshman. I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops because you, you take the pass catching and he, he looked to be a decent route runner and you put it with that speed and woof, goodness, those are, it's a good player, man. Um, and then the other one with Jamie Lyons, and, and again, he's a kid I've seen a bunch of times in person and I always viewed him as an edge, right? When the first time I saw him, it was more as a tight end and a thin tight end. And I always viewed him as an edge. And it sounds like from you seeing him, he still has that build. He's long. He's athletic. I think he's at his best rushing the passer. But I think he has that athleticism that you can drop him into coverage and do some different things with him. Now, from watching him, I do think he has to get a little better at the point of attack, especially when teams are going to run at him. Um, I, I watched him play with Roman Catholic, and that was the first thing that jumped out when I watched him. But the athleticism, again, and his ability to cover ground in his first two steps at the snap continues to stay with me, even though I saw him play last September. And it just – and then, you know, you watch the film, you talk to people to make sure he's still on the right path. But I've always thought he was wildly talented and just needs to get to Penn State, have that structure – and really get coached up. And, and again, we, we go back to, you know, talking about Malachi Williams with Philadelphia. Well, Jamie Lyons gets to go play for Deion Barnes now. And, and so I, I think there's that good connection. They're going to, he's going to trust Deion to help him out. I, I, I'm, I think Jamil will take a little bit of time. I, I, I don't know if he'll be ready to go as a freshman, but by the time he gets everything figured out and they figure out exactly where they want to play him, I think he's got, as they say, oodles of talent. Brian, we saw a cluster of like 25 freshmen. Some were here in January, some got in May, some just got here a week ago um, for, for, at the practice facility last Thursday. Right. And I'm going to tell you the two names that if we were just saying, who are you picking for recess, you know, whatever sport we're playing, these <laughs> two guys, the two names that that I think we were pretty consensus on it, at least at Lions 24-7 on our team, were Joseph Mapoye and Andrew Rappelier. And I just want to hear from you because I think Mapoye – that's that's when we're talking about big ceiling, long term projections. It feels like, but maybe he's a little bit more geared to go earlier in his career, based on first impressions physically, what he's done so far on campus. Rapplier is the guy I circle and say, I know this is a really deep tight end room, but let's see what this kid accomplished between now and early September because he has all the physical tools already in place. Plus two hundred and fifty pounds, six foot five. Really curious to see what Rapplier can do here in year one. So we'll start with Rappelier. And again, these are kids that I've seen visit with them at their schools, saw him play. I mean, I've known Joseph since he was um, down at Archbishop Carroll in D.C., I think as a sophomore or junior, whenever he first got into the country. Uh, but we'll start with Rappelier. And here's what I like about him. He knew how to catch the ball when he was going to school in New York, right? So he, he went through, I think it was Our Lady of Lords in New York, um, maybe Poughkeepsie. I'm, I'm old, so maybe I forgot what's you know exactly that. But he knew how to catch the ball, but they didn't use him much as a blocker. So he decides and he's going to go transfer up to Milton Academy, which I think is where his brother played. I think his brother wound up going to like Wake or something like that. But he went and I remember sitting with him at the school. I'm like, so what'd you transfer for? He goes, I need to learn how to block this place. They're going to run the ball a lot. I'm not going to get a ton of targets, but that's okay. I've already proven myself as a pass catcher. I need to learn how to run block. And so that told me a different level thinking and also that he doesn't have a big ego in terms of me, me, me. He knew what he needed to get better at. And that was big. And, and I think it's what you said. I think he's, I think he's athletic. I think 
He moves well. He's got great size. Um, that tight end room, you know, it's like when Penn State gets a tight end commit, you're like, okay, let's really pay attention to where we have this kid ranked because they do such a great job of identifying them and then also developing them. Getting on the field as a freshman, I mean, I guess maybe that, what do they play, Delaware? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe you get him that taste because you can do that now and maybe get him a taste in a few games, but it's a deep room. So I, I think the upside for him is tremendous, but it may take a little while for us to see it. And the same with Joseph. I mean, Mapoye is a kid who – now, when I met with him at Archbishop Carroll, which was his senior year, he was thin as a rail. And I'm like – man, let's see what this kid, is he going to be a linebacker? Can he put on the weight? And then I go up and meet with him at St. Thomas More in, in Connecticut when he's a post-grad. And I'm like, boy, <laughs> this kid can put on weight and, and have a great frame. And I mean, there's pictures in his profile of him there where he's just, I remember calling somebody after that, that I know really well involved with Penn State. And I'm like, you know, Joseph is jacked. And he looked good, and I watched him practice, and he moved really well. And he's a smart kid who's older, right? I think he's probably be 20 by the time the season starts, and that's one of the reasons he had to transfer up to St. Thomas More. But, like, there is such upside. He's still – you know, he came to the country to, as a basketball kid, which you see a lot, developed into football. He's – I don't know what they list him as, but I bet he's around 250, 255 by now. 253. Um, you nailed, Brian, yeah. you should do this for a living. Yeah, you're, you're very good at this. <laughs> yeah, and, and so – but you look at it, and he's got the upper body strength. He's he's as thin as I – I mean, he, he's, as, he's as fit and ripped as I would ever hope to be in a dream. But he, he just has all this talent that's just, just waiting to come flying out. And it'll get there. I mean, you, you see some of it on tape, and he just needs to be just do it a little bit longer, be more consistent, develop the technique. But, you know, Coach Anderson up at St. Thomas More does such a good job with those kids. And I remember I was waiting for Joseph to announce his transfer to St. Thomas More because it's just like with commitments. You wait to give the kid he, want, he wanted to have his moment. And I remember hitting up Coach Anderson at St. Thomas More. I'm like, well, when's this coming? And he's like, yo, if you think you're excited to be able to publish that story, think how I am that I'm going to have this kid. And then I would continually get reports on him. And it was just he would say that the, the, the growth that Joseph would show week to week to week really stood out. Yeah, he's 253 pounds with a six pack. We'll put it that way for now. And and, and Andrew Rappelier. I can do that to be... too, but I would be carrying my six pack on the side here. I mean, that, that's the best you know. the best way to end this conversation. Uh, Brian, we went almost an hour. Really appreciate it. You are so swamped right now with news. So it means a lot to us and our listeners out there. Lions 24 seven land uh, free to take this time. Hey, I appreciate it. I always enjoy coming on with you guys. All right. Take care. Great stuff from Brian Doan. Obviously, catch his work at 24-7 Sports, uh, national recruiting analyst, and you'll see uh, plenty of his content popping up at lines247.com in the coming weeks as there's a lot of commitment decisions being made, a lot of finalized, finalized recruitment plans. But as he said, some open-ended nature to a lot of these recruitments that will trickle into the season. Signing day is still in December, uh, and you've got a ways to go. Uh, as getting, uh, you got to go through games, you got to go win games, and you've got to get your staff 
on a lot of these guys. Uh, Brian Doan does a great job. Uh, our team at Lions 24-7 has done a great job throughout June. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, Tyler Calfaruso, our photographer, Grace Brennan. It was an all-hands-on-deck kind of a month, so we're happy to end it this way on the podcast. Plenty coming your way. We're planning to start next week with the podcast on Monday with the holiday, so we're going to rearrange things. So stay tuned for a podcast Monday, and then we'll get back to our regular routine with another coming your way Thursday. For now, stepping aside, I am Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.